So why do some consulting and coaching business owners emerge from the holiday season refreshed, relaxed, and re-energized and focused for 2024 and ready for greater success? Find out on this episode of the Enough Ready Podcast. And welcome to the Enough Ready Podcast. This is the show for consultants and coaches who want to forge their own path to success in their careers and their lives. I am Betsy Jordan, and I'm your host, and I'm also a brand messaging and positioning strategist, and I'm here to help people figure out what's their dream business and bring it into profitable reality. And one of the key ways we do that is through taking a step back and planning. And we are coming to the end of this year, and we are getting ready for 2024, and how do we make the most of this season? You know, how do we make it an opportunity for greater success to rejuvenate and to be more connected with ourselves? And so for this reason, I'm very excited to have author and therapist Stephanie Anderson Ladd on the show, and she's going to walk us through her unique self-care strategies that will help you create the best holiday season, plan for 2024, and do it all without getting overwhelmed or burnt out. So... If you're excited as I am about planning, you're going to love this episode. And if you want to do so in a way that's connected with your heart and your spirit, you're definitely going to love this episode. So welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you, Betsy. I'm happy to be here. So what's really fun for me is I'm a total fan. So I was given your book. So here's your book for those who are able to see it, The Goddesses of Self-Care. And I love this book so much. Um, it was really transformative as I've been recovering or I'm an ongoing recover, recoverer. I don't know if that's the right word of burnout. And it really inspired me in so many ways. There's definitions that you provide about what self-care looks like. It gives you a lot of interesting strategies and as well as an elevated perspective. But before we get into all of your really great tips, I want to back up and talk a little bit about your background and what made you decide to write this book. Well, um, so I've been a psychotherapist for about 30 years and um, about 12 years ago, I would say I started branching out and doing a lot more workshops, which I actually call play shops. And um, I'm also a soul collage facilitator. So that's this, you know, art process of collaging on five by eight cards. And it's a wonderful process of, you know, getting to know yourself and your soul and its many aspects. And, um, and then I started offering uh, courses online um, on goddess archetypes of fairy tales and myths uh, the tarot archetypes so I've really had sort of an ongoing side business that coincides beautifully with my therapy practice um I would say most of my clients tend to be women not all but um and I found that a good number of my clients have been interested in this art process um, because it is a way to really get to know yourself better and understand your journey and where you're coming from. So, um, you know, this particular book, Goddesses of Self-Care, uh, 30 Divine Feminine Archetypes to Guide You, I, I explore different um, archetypes, feminine archetypes that can serve as role models in a sense or um symbols you know they're they're they have really rich stories from from myth and literature and history and all that and they exist in all of the cultures and corners of the world so they're very universal and i think it can be really helpful for us to kind of look at what is a particular goddess's superpower and how can i uh, resonate with that or align with that and you know help myself and so it's kind of psycho psycho spiritual I say you know psychological and spiritual it's not about worshiping goddesses by any means it's really just about understanding um, their archetypal uh, motif and how that could be you know helpful to us in our lives today so I, I totally resonate with what you're talking about because I got certified as an archetype consultant. And for those who are listening who are these left brain rational people, let's just like, let's break down some of this stuff to make sense for this particular audience. Because mm -hmm. the way I look at archetypes, and I think you might as well, is like they're a hack into like our heart and our spirit. 
because they are connected. So if you are a consultant or coach and you've ever used the Myers-Briggs type indicator, you know, you're familiar with the world of archetypes. And I think that there's something really powerful about archetypes. Can you describe a little bit of like, you know, Carl Jung and and his definition of archetypes and why they're relevant even for the left brain rational person? Yeah, um, well, you know, archetypes are universal. Um, you know, so there's these these symbols or these characters that we're all familiar with. Like if I say the word clown or fool, we all can create a mental picture of what a clown or a fool looks like and some of their attributes and, you know, what we would expect of a clown or a fool. Same with the word witch or, you know, again, God or goddess, you know, we would come up with an immediate picture or a feeling, um, sort of an imprint. And Carl Jung um, talked about the collective unconscious. It's this sort of vast storehouse of knowledge that we all have access to. You know, so we dream in archetypes, you know, we we're familiar with archetypes from stories that we read and movies and that kind of thing. So um, it's it's a it is a way I like the way you you kind of describe that um, a way of uh, feeling into uh, a particular character or motif. One of the things that I use sometimes with my clients when they're trying to figure out their ideal client is I'll use a soul collaging process where I'll encourage them. Like one of my clients was really stuck and she was trying to figure out how do I move from a teaching career into a business. And we worked on this where it's like, all right, get the blank piece of card, you know, card stock, the five by eight or what have you say, ideal client, reveal yourself to me and either like draw it or, you know, I would have some clients like collage it. And it's like, to me, it's like it bypasses for a lot of us who are consultants and coaches, we're head people. So we overthink, we overthink, we overthink, and it bypasses it somehow. I know it works, but I don't know why it works. Can you explain why does this work? Because I know it well, works all the time. It's 100% successful whenever I okay. use this approach. Yeah. Um, so my my feeling is it's, you know, we are tapping into our right brain, right? So left brain is logic, analytical thinking. Um, which is great in the corporate world, the business world, we need it. Um, and then the right brain is working more with imagery. And, you know, many of us like that and are drawn to it, but maybe don't have as much um, ability to to access that, unless you happen to be an artist as well. And um, so, you know, working with images, making a soul collage card, and I'll just show one that I have handy here, and I call this in the cave. So I've just taken some images and put them together and created a picture. And um, this to me represents this time of year. We're gonna kind of talk about what happens this time of year when you sort of start to descend into yourself and you know, kind of just leave the, the great big wide world behind, we could say. And also with just the seasonal change of fall and winter, we, we start to slow down, we start to back up, we start to go inward, um, generally speaking. Um, you know, we go in the cave. And this is a good place to be this time of year to really um, start to access um, our needs and wants and things we might not have, you know, paid much attention to because we're in that busy productive mode, get things done, keep going, you know. So this is a good time to start to unwind. So there's so many things I want to follow up with you on that one, but I want to hit the other part because I think that this is important to talk about the seasonality of the holiday season and yeah. why it's like a really powerful downtime. I didn't really fully appreciate the importance of that whole like going within and that time period until like I used to live in Florida and now I'm in Denver. And it's really cold here. And it's like, oh, well, there's a reason why I want to bury and go, get cold or hibernate a little bit and use that time to kind of reset. But um, before we get into all the specifics of what you can do for the season, there's another part of your philosophy, which is about self-care. So we talked about the goddesses, but there's this other part about self-care. Um, what are common misconceptions that people have about what is self-care and what is your definition of self-care? 
Yeah, I mean, I think on a superficial level, we think of self-care as things we can do like, oh, go get a mani-pedi, go get a massage, take a bubble bath, you know, great, nothing wrong with that. Um, But I really think of self-care as more soul care. Again, going deeper, really getting in touch with, you know, what do I need and want? Um, How can I give that to myself? You know, it's not just going out and um, paying for things <laughs> or or just doing things that just, again, on superficial level feel good, um, but digging in. And sometimes that's just spending some time with myself and a quiet time, um, or it could be with someone that is uh, we have a meaningful relationship with, a friend or a partner or child, whatever. Um, so just making conscious choices, um, you know, I think creativity and play, which is one of the chapters in my book is really important to self-care and that I, I frankly ask most of my clients, I, not probably all my clients, what is your creative outlet? And some of them are like, what, you know, I don't, I don't have one, you know, I, I used to, or, you know, it's just like, we're too busy, right? We think we're too busy. But I think it's really important to have some creative outlet or way to play so that we start to have this balance in our lives, you know, and we can get out of the left brain thinking and doing all the time. So this is so fun for me because I have the author, so I get to ask some of the other questions that I might have had from your book. But you talk about in your book about the difference between the personal self, the higher self and the lower self. And Mm -hmm it seems like in these three different types, like, so I don't know if you are intending to say like, oh, some people can be left brain, some people can be right brain. Like, it seems like we're both, you know, it's just, we have to kind of balance it out. But what does it mean? Like, it seems like self-care is about these three levels of self, but what are these three levels of self? So the way I look at it is, you know, we we have the personal self, or maybe we could say the core self. and by the way, I mean, we, we have an ego, you know, we, and ego doesn't mean egotistical. Like we have to have a functioning ego to exist in the world and get things done. Um, but we do have this, this core self. And I like to think of the core self or the true self as who we came in as like, hmm. you know, it, like really who we are, our inner child is a, a sense, a part of that. Um, you know, and it's, it's really interesting to take some time and try to really think about who was I, who did I come in as, what did I know? What did I want? What did I love? Right. All those questions. And I have a lot of those kinds of journal prompts in my book to help you explore that. And then, um, so then we have this sense of, you know, I have this core self and then I also have a higher self. And sometimes this is called wise mind in certain um, circles. Um, and, and it could be thought of as God self, God or goddess self. So this is that part of ourselves that can kind of rise above, you know, have a perspective to really see the bigger picture. And, you know, sometimes we need to pause and really think about what would my wise mind say to mm. me in this situation, how to handle this or step back perhaps. Um, And then the lower self um, is comprised of what are also termed subpersonalities. So these are all the little parts uh, of our our self that we could identify. And some are helpful, some not so helpful. So most of us have an inner critic, right? I would say all of us have an inner critic. We all have an inner like, yeah. like Nobody gets okay. out of that. There's a yeah. few people who are super <laughs> special that they don't have that. Yeah, we're going to deal with that inner critic all our lives. But, you know, we can get better at dealing with that inner critic, for example. Um, and some of that is through dialoguing with it and, and, and noticing it and saying things like, you know, well, where did you come from? When did you come into my life? Why, why are you telling me this? You know, and, and then let the inner critic answer and then you respond back and then you're coming from your core self, this true self part of you that's listening. And, and, you know, you might get to a point where you're going to negotiate 
with that critic and just say, you know, it's not helpful to me, or you remind me of my, you know, critical dad or my, you know, judgmental mom. I don't know. It could be something like that. Um, and I don't need that voice anymore. It's not helpful. So, you know, we can learn to quiet down those parts uh, that are not helpful. We call those shadow parts. But there can be parts of ourselves too that are very helpful um, to us. I would say, you know, again, sometimes archetypes and inner parts can kind of overlap. But like, for example, the entrepreneur, uh, maybe that's, we consider that a part of ourselves or uh, the artist or the teacher, you know, the coach, these kinds of roles that we play in life. And again, it's good not to get over-identified with the role that we play in life or the work that we do, the way we make a living. That's something we've learned and that's something that's a part of us, but it's not all of us. Right. So this gets back to that core self who's able to kind of see almost like the conductor of the orchestra, you know, is able to see these little parts at work and at play and like, okay, it's time for you to step up teacher, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I have a whole a philosophy I have this on this. I call it my internal boardroom process. In fact, I got that one trademarked. And the way I look at it to kind of compare it to my consulting and coaching clients who are listening in and those who are in that zone, I think what you're saying is you have like all these little subparts that represent maybe like different parts, different departments of an organization. You have your inner HR department, you have your inner finance department, which sometimes can sound like the inner critic, you know, is like that department. You have your operations, you have all of these little subparts, but they all report up to the CEO, which seems to be that you know, core true self who's overseeing it. But then you have a board of directors that has like a much bigger perspective that can oversee and you could tap into that wisdom when you need to in order to take care of it. And what I got out of your book is something that kind of resonated with philosophically as a former OD consultant, which is like, how do you manage everybody and really listen in? Like what I like about your book is it's not just like, oh, here's an inner critic. You know, you need to leave. You need to go into the back of the bus. It's like, no. And what I learned through the practices in your book of like taking care of the different parts is I found out what my inner critic needed. Like I'm trying to, I'm in the process of writing my first book and all of my stuff is all jacked up because it's like, ah, you know, like, who am I? I don't have what it takes. All the things that my clients have at the beginning and what really helped is like, okay, inner critic, what is, what's going on? It's not even, a, I wouldn't even call it my inner critic. I have a different name for my part because I want to have it as a nice name. I don't, I wouldn't call the finance department when they're asking you to take a step back. And are you really sure? I wouldn't call them, you know, inner critic, you know, corporate critics are mean. I would put it in a nice way, but right. then I learned what they, what the, what that part of me that was afraid of like getting hurt or in some sort of way, what it needed in order to trust me to move forward. Yes. And that's what I really gained out of your philosophy on that is it's a compassionate approach to handling the different parts of us and the different needs so that we could all get together in a harmonious way and go towards the future. Beautiful. Yes, exactly. Cool. <laughs> I like oh, the, the whole, yeah, the boardroom and all that. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. That was like my big aha. Like I've been, this is like book two or three that I want to write about is like, I never understood meditation. You know, like when people are teaching, like, it's like waves of the ocean, you know, like, and you just don't get hooked up into anyone. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. But then I was listening, I was listening to this like um, training on it. And then, you know, like in a morning kind of like quiet time. And then I went into a focus group that I was leading for a company with a bunch of customers. And I was like sitting at the head of the table and I was listening to what everybody said, but I didn't get really attached to what anybody said. I just, you know, when everybody got like kind of squawky, I just like write it on the flip chart. I'm like, oh, that's what meditation is. That's yeah. all it is. It's not that complicated. It's like, okay, I get it. Like, I'm not just like, now I understand. So you know, maybe for those who are listening, it's like, there's a way to translate it into it, but it's still an archetype. Like the bird room is an archetype, yeah. but it's one that we understand for other cultures. Maybe they understand something different. And that's why I think what's so nice about your book is you bring up a lot of different archetypes so that if one doesn't resonate, you got another one that maybe will. Yeah. So. And they're going to resonate with you at different points in time too, depending on, you know, what you're going through, what you're dealing with what situation you're in. 
that's why I think it's important to kind of have this variety to, to learn from, choose from. So um, I just gave an example from my story about why it's important for someone who's a consultant, coaching, business owner, an aspiring thought leader, why self-care as you define it is really important. Is there anything else that you would add about the importance of caring for your total self in order to create and sustain success? Like, as I said, at the beginning of the show, like this is for people who want to forge their own paths to success in their careers and their lives. Why is self-care so important to this journey? Well, you know, because you want to prevent yourself from getting burnt out, you know, um, I think the entrepreneurial path can certainly, you know, you're taking on a lot on your own, you know, and um, I think the tendency might be early on, you're putting in lots and lots of hours and, you know, you're trying to figure out what this path looks like. And I, and certainly, you know, anyone who's been in the corporate world knows what that's like too, um, you know, getting burnout because you're just going, 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 doing, 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 and, you know, often working ridiculous hours and not giving yourself time to re relax and enjoy life and have this work-life balance, which is so crucial, you know? Yeah. Because that's what we leave corporate for is that work-life right. balance. And then we go and recreate the craziness that we had in our previous career. Guilty, you know, well, that's something and that we do. Yeah, it's hard not to. I, I know when I started out just doing all the extra things I was doing outside my private practice, you know, there was a point when I was like, I need to figure out how to work smarter, not harder, you know, and mm -hmm. I felt like I was doing everything the hard way, but I, that's how I learned, you know, and then I think over time you learn to, to step back and to, and to say, to look at how can I give myself more um, time and energy and space to be, you know, to be, not do, do so less, just, be more. <laughs> well, let's say that again, do less, be more. Is that what you just said? Yeah. 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 That's the goal in, in, in a lot of ways. And to be able to take that into the work as well. Um, but, you know, the problem is, I think we just, we're always trying to achieve and, you know, in the sense, maybe prove something you know, either to ourselves or to our family or the world. And, you know, just being able to get away from that sort of mindset and start to do things that really just feel like they're, they're serving our needs, you know. And I think it's extra hard when you are, your income is not steady, you know, like you might have in a previous corporate job, like I just want to be, but somebody might be listening. It's like, yeah, that sounds great. But how, <laughs> but I don't have a predictable, you know, client pipeline yet. So like, this is really hard for me to figure yeah. that out. So let's talk about like the holiday season, because this is such a crucial time. You know, most of us, you're not going into your client meetings. You know, most people are not going to be booking intro calls with you. You have an opportunity. It's a unique window. Yes. And there's two sides like this. There's two ways that people can approach the holiday season. Either they totally disconnect and say, all right, this is my playtime. I'm just going to have fun. Or they go the other side where it's like plan, plan, plan. Let's just, you know, get a bunch of stuff ready for 2024. You know, how, how would you describe the importance of creating that balance? And what does that balance look like? Yeah. Um, well, I think you're right. There could, it could be a time to, um, well, I like to use the word, I, one of my chapters, dreaming and planning, you know, and I have a chapter on um, resting and being present, you know, those ideas of, again, sort of going into the cave of our own being and taking time, if you in the darkness, if you will, and that could literally be, you know what, I am just, you know, I'm so burnt out, I've been going, I'm going to actually dim the lights or I'll do this a lot of times over the holidays um, and it's such a great time to do it because you can have Christmas lights on or candles going and, you know, turn off screens and just be in the darkness. And it's like, be with yourself and, you know, maybe sit in front of the fire, right. And see what comes up. So this is the dreaming stage, you know, this is, or, or allowing yourself to go fallow, you know, like we let, fields go fallow and it turns out it's really good for 
for plants and crops and things for the field to lie fallow um, after the harvest. And that's what we need. And I, I really embrace that concept for myself and just I'm in a fallow period right now and, and I'll feel the urge to do something or I should I should do this. And I'm just like, nope, 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 not going to do it right now. I'm in the fallow period and letting the, you know, the soil be enriched. Um, and, you know, eventually we'll plant some seeds. So sometimes I think the best thing we can do when we're taking time off and, you know, over the holidays is to really just give ourselves that space. Um, it could involve meditation. Um, and I always say there's various forms of meditation besides say, like I'm saying, you know, sit in front of the fire and just be still and be in the darkness. Um, you know, walking meditations are, are good. Um, people don't sometimes think that you can be moving and meditating, but of course you can, you know, and um, you could even be doing something like, you know, baking cookies or being out in the garden and being in a meditative state and same with maybe creating something like making a soul collage card or a vision board. You can, you can really find yourself in this deep state of I'm just with myself and I'm playing with images or I'm, you know, putting ingredients together, whatever it might be. Um, that's a time for us to, we're recharging, whether we re realize it or not, you know, we're, we're giving ourselves what we feel like we need. So, okay, let's just be more practical. So I'm like, two, so we got two weeks off during the holiday season, pretty two weeks solid. In the middle of it is probably a bunch of family stuff where it's like, okay, I'm getting ready, getting the house ready, getting people ready, you know, and we're going to do the holiday season. Yeah. Um, it's important to start off with like before, like some people like, I'm just going to go on fumes until I get through like Christmas itself or get through right. the holiday itself. And then maybe I'll worry about all the other stuff. Is there something that you would suggest like moving into that time period that would feel like rest and presence, you know, and is it important to rest and, and do be more present to the, the fun parts of hol the holiday before you get into your vision board and before you start planning, you know, is it like an iterative thing? Or would you say like, you know what, if I were going to break, you know, like, just talk to me, like I'm a, I'll just, I'll, I'll put myself on the hot seat here, you yeah. know, like. I've got all kinds of plans for how I want to use the time off. Like I definitely want to spend time with my family and do some of that, but I have ideas. Like I want to improve the conversion aspects of my website, you know, cause I want to offer that to clients. I have new ways of how I want to strategize my products and services. And I have that, I got this book I'm writing that mm -hmm. I, I really want to get like farther along. I got all these actions. Mm -hmm. What would you, how advise me, help me. Cause I know I'm not alone. Right. Yes. So um, I would start with saying, you know, yes, consciously think about or maybe envision how do I want these holidays to go? Let's say I have two weeks, you know, what if one week we're spent with family and lots of festivities and fun? And, you know, what if the other week I just gave to myself and then I can say to, you know, what do I want to do? Let's say one day I really want to focus on my website. Okay, I'll give myself that. And then the next day, what can I do to balance out that, you know, creativity and, you know, using the left brain? Um, but what can, how can I balance that out? You know, what would give me pleasure and a, and a break from all that mental activity and, you know, getting something manifested? Um, you know, oh, I'm going to go take a walk um, or I'm going to, you know, read a book or I'm going to watch a movie today or, um, you know, you get to decide what that looks like. Um, I do think it's really important to to look for that balance and, you know, even write it down in your planner if that's what you need to do. And I've done that myself to make sure I've got creative time in my planner, I'm giving myself this window um, where I don't, you know, that's what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, there, there could be just breaks when you know I need a nap or I need to just be, or maybe I wanna be with a friend today. 
So I'm just going to say it's not wrong to strategize and plan and dream during this holiday season. Just don't fill up all your time with that because it's going to, it could very well feel like I didn't give myself a break. You know, I'm just jumping over hurdles. I just got an aha when you were talking like this, I, I feel like I kind of like have this in my body and I want to check this out with you. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've learned over, you know, all the years of, you know, um, you know, doing self-work and all of that is like the, some of the therapies that bring together like the right and left brain and it's sort of like walking. So it sounds like what you're suggesting to create the balance is like one side, you know, like take one step forward with your left brain and then take one step forward with your right brain, take one step forward with your left brain, take one step forward with your right brain. And so it's like you build those rhythms and it seems like that seems like even the best way to even handle the prep for the holidays. Cause you can feel like left brain is like, it may seem like it's all fun, but it's like, I gotta get this recipe done and I gotta cook and I gotta get these cookies baked and I gotta get all these presents wrapped and I gotta get all this. And yeah. it's like, well, no, I'm gonna do one thing this way and then one thing that way. One thing's going to be tasks. Yes. One thing's going to be reflection. One thing's going to be action. One thing is going to be contemplation. And I just keep this. Yes. Yep. Equal time, right? <laughs> Pretty much. That's what you're looking for is, yeah, to balance it out. Because I do think it's just kind of too easy to fall into, you know, I've got all these things I need to do and want to do and to-do list, checklist. Blah, blah. And then, you know, the the vacation time is over and you're back to, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm still tired. Yeah. So like, it kind of changes the way I was even thinking about it. Cause my thought was of like week one is just all family and fun. Week two is all business, 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 mm-hmm. but it seems like both with the way I'm thinking about it is I would definitely wind up like being burnt out when we get to January yeah. because I didn't do it within that time period. So week one you know, still might be getting ready for Christmas that has all the tasks, but still keep that balance going. And even week two, it's like maybe one, one day I do something more fun with my right brain where it's like, oh, I'll do a vision board and I'll imagine what I want in the future. And then the next day I might like then go implement some, you know, one of the aspects, you know, one might be, it's like, I'll do research for the book. That would be fun. And I'll read, and maybe I'll go somewhere like a cool, you know, cap, um, you know, coffee shop or something. Yeah. And then the next day I'll implement those ideas, but keep that, keep that flow going between both sides. Beautiful. That's the secret. Yeah. That's the secret. Ah, that's brilliant. I love <laughs> that. Okay. So, um, so I want to, I want to go a little bit more into, so we kind of like got the energy going, but I want to talk about presence a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I read in a book, I think his name is Rick Hansen about how we could change our brain is that it's something about like um, being more like taking in the good things in our life and holding it in our brain for a few more seconds longer than we would have. Um, And that made me start to think about like, I wonder if that's what presence is like. So, you know, if my daughter buys me something that I really like for Christmas, you know, instead of like, oh, quickly, thank you. And throwing the present to the side, you know, it would be like, like sitting with it, like, oh my gosh, look at all the effort she put into it. Look at how, you know, look at the meaningful note she wrote me. Take that in a little bit further. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with presence. It's just, you know, I have an opportunity to talk to this author here. Uh, (laughs) But I I wanted to check in with you. Like, is that a key? Like, what, what, how do we get more present? Is that one of them? Or is that an example? Does what Rick Hansen said in that book make sense? Is is that his name? Did I even get the name right? I don't even know if I got the name right. I don't know for sure, it, but it's I the like guy the who idea. it's the guy who wrote the Buddha's brain book that I okay. read that I loved. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good um, way to be present uh, with yourself. Um, again, to me, a lot of it is just getting rid of distractions too. You know, we have so many these days, and um, so that's another thought is during this time, like, what would it be like to you know. turn off the internet and the you know social media and the news and everything and just give yourself a weekend break or even a week break what would that be like you know not even (gasps) looking at social media for a week oh my gosh (laughs) it's like I feel like we must have withdrawal symptoms like you know because we're so addicted we are you know but it I I know doing that for a day or two for me just feels very refreshing so um 
you know, the holidays again would be a good time to do that. We've got so much going on in the world right now that's, you know, dysregulating and hard to hold all that and get through the day. Um, so, you know, sometimes just giving ourselves that gift of just being present with ourselves. And again, maybe some music on in the background, but, um, but yeah, I like what you're saying. You're kind of talking about mindfulness, you know? So even if we're doing something simple, like making a bed or putting dishes in the dishwasher, you know, we're doing it in a mindful way of just, this is what I'm doing in this moment, as opposed to thinking about the next thing I have to do. And then, the, you know, just letting our monkey mind go crazy all day long. Um, we're, we're really just trying to slow down and just do what is in front of us to do or not, which, you know, it could just be sitting down in your favorite chair and petting your cat, you know? So, um, you know, being present is, um, and you could be being present with your partner or being present with your child, you know, like we're spending time together. Yes, we, maybe we're talking, but we don't have to, you know, or maybe we think it would be fun to play a game together. Um, but maybe it's just sitting and being present with each other and, and enjoying, you know, the life of this person that's, you know, that we love and, and um, kind of each honoring um, our need to, to have that quiet. I wonder, I wonder if we ever, I wonder how often people really think about like the whole idea of like mindfulness as you approach the holiday season, like really taking that moment of like, I'm shopping for a gift for my husband and I want to buy him a sweater. And it's like, oh, I'm really like, you know, I'm taking, I'm touching the sweater. I'm appreciating it. I'm not like rushing to just check things off my to-do list, but it's like, I'm really presencing that person and I'm, I'm appreciating the gift. And I'm, I'm not like rushing through to get through wrapping these gifts. I'm really appreciating them. I put that atmosphere together. It sounds like that's a big part of it. Of like even being mindful about that Christmas Absolutely. shopping, Hanukkah shopping, yeah. you know, all of the holiday shopping could be fun. Absolutely. Yes. Cook, cooking the meal. You could stop for a second and enjoy the aromas in the kitchen. Yeah. Taste, hold the taste for a few more minutes. Yes. Yes. That's a good meditation in and of itself. It's just kind of being aware of your senses and what, you know, there's a five, four, three, two, one exercise where you're like, what are, you know, I'm sitting here in this room. What are five things that I see that I'm noticing? You know, what are four things that I hearing? And then we stop and we listen, you know, and we name them to ourselves. You know, what are three things that I can touch that I'm, you know, and then smell and then um, taste, you know, so we can do things like that, which helps us be present and mindful of just, you know, this is who I am in this moment. You know, I, I usually do sit on my chair when I do my interviews and it's like, I started to notice, like when I look back at some of the videos that, you know, it's like, I'm kind of fidgeting in my seat, you know, I'm always like moving around, you know, and I'm still kind of moving around here, but my feet are on the ground, Yeah, you know, and there's like something, there's something that kind of feels different. Like where I'm like, I'm standing on one foot, but it's now I'm putting two feet on the floor. And it's like, I'm just being mindful when I stand here. Like even that makes a little bit of a, of a difference of being connected. I want to grab my water because I'm a little thirsty. Like, yeah. okay, so like on a little activity like that, like how would I do that to be a little bit more mindful? Like if I were, actually I'm kind of thirsty. So like if I were <laughs> going to grab my my water bottle, like what am I going to do to just use this as a mindful moment throughout my busy, crazy day while I'm doing a podcast interview? Yeah. What would you recommend? Yeah, just like you said, you're just like, I'm going to just take a little break here and, you know, hydrate and enjoy the water and the sensation of it going down my throat and you know just giving myself a minute here instead of gulping down the water and going back to whatever I'm doing you know so all all of that you're right and those are good really good examples of you know over the holidays um you know thinking about who we're shopping for and you know and another thought would be 
you know, we're so sort of consumer oriented um, would be, what would be a gift that would really truly be for me? Like, you know, could I offer someone an experience or, you know, help in some way that would be a gift? Um, you know, and then of course, this is also gets to gifts to ourselves, you know, what, what gift do I really need and want right now? And can I give that to myself? Yeah, one of my favorite things that I've done this year is I've had this um, organizational consultants toolbox forever that kind of captured, you know, all of my best practices and tools of, you know, all my years of consulting. And um, I decided after having um, Pooja Mandan on my show, she's somebody who talks about building a soulful and profitable business. I decided to make that offer a name your price offer. So it's like sort of like my give back program. But the best part about it was I give... Um, a percentage, a good portion of the proceeds to Kiva, which is a micro lending organization. And so I get to go on the website and every time I get a sale for this, I get to go on the website and it's like, oh, cool. I get to go shopping. You know, we're like, who do I want to help? And, sure. and I wonder if that's something too, is like, you know, using the time, because you mentioned there's so many horrible things that are going on in the world. There's so many opportunities where, you know, our hearts are broken and we feel so much helpless. And it's like, is yeah. there a way that we can, you know, turn our compassion into action? Maybe it's something, one of my clients is a fundraiser, a fundraising coach, and she has decided to donate a portion of her services to any, for free as a pro bono for anybody who is, who is um, contributing to the causes that she cares about. Oh. You know, I wonder if that's something that could be, you know, a way of creating you know, more play and meaning in our work. Sure. Absolutely. You know, cause it's like the gift that keeps on giving, you know, we keep paying it forward. I love that, you know, and, and that's such a good feeling. You know, sometimes I think when we just buy a gift and it's different when we really think of something that feels like it's really coming from our heart and soul. And, you know, and I also think giving experiences, you know, like maybe theater tickets or we're mm. going to go to this new restaurant and we're going to, you know, go see a comedy show together and things like that can be really lovely uh, gifts. And, you know, again, moments where you can be with someone that you care about and have a wonderful experience. So if my husband's watching this particular episode, he's going to be like, yes, that's his favorite way of giving gifts. He's like, he hates picking out gifts for people, but he yeah. loves creating experiences for people. So he's going to be like, this yeah. works out well. And I've got the expert validating that this is the right decision. So yes. So do that's great. Like, do you like getting those kinds of gifts, experiences? And if um, I like getting the experiences, but um, I like the meaningful notes. Like my daughter is the best at creating like the meaningful thing, like whatever the physical gift is. I'm like, that's great. Yes. But she, we always have, like, I don't know if it's like just the routine in our family, you know, but I've always done like, here's your practical, like, here's the gift that you want, but here's the meaningful note. Like I might make her a, you know, a little book, or I might make her like a mug with pictures on us, or I might yeah. frame a special picture. Like that's the stuff that I love the most. Exactly. Um, and that's, and she's wired like me. So that's the stuff she loves the most. So that's what she gives me. So those are the gifts that, that I love the most. Like, I don't, you I know, agree. I like, I like the experiences and I yeah. like the gifts, you know, for sure. Yeah. But I like the meaningful notes. Like that's the stuff I savor. That's a good example. Yeah. My daughter's the same way. I save all of her cards and notes because they are, they always mean much more to me than, you know, cause usually a material object's not going to last forever. So, um, yeah. I think it's, you know, so using your words and speaking from your heart is really, you know, meaningful and something that people tend to treasure. Hey, you know, and I wonder if it goes back to another way of using the, the gift giving process is to pay attention to the love languages of other people. Yeah, like right. I'm a word girl, obviously in my business, I'm, I help people create words and use words to connect with their audience. So I like words and my yes. daughter is like me. So she likes words, but my husband is not like that. He would yeah. not care if I wrote him a meaningful note, yeah. um, but he would like the experiences. So maybe that's part of being presence is presencing other people of what they would like. Yeah. Paying attention to those love languages. I think there's something to that. Yes. And I wonder if there's an opportunity, you know, also at the end of the year, you know, we could, you know, a lot of people would be doing like Black Friday specials and, you know, yeah. things like that. I wonder if there's some way that, 
you know, we can, you know, dial into, I don't know, do you do anything for your clients, you know, in a more personal way to express your appreciation during the holiday season, that's a little bit more customized. So you can kind of presence the meaning that they have in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do often invite them to do some soul collage, um, and maybe zero in on, you know, I, sometimes just doing a soul collage card totally intuitively without any sort of idea of where you're going with it, you know, really is helpful. So that can be a meaningful experience. And, um, you know, so oftentimes I'll try to, um, plan some time. Sometimes I do it on zoom and sometimes, you know, in person's better. And I always do a vision board, um, play shop in January. Um, so I, I offer that in person. I have done it on zoom, but this year I'm just doing it uh, locally. Um, but you know, that's obviously something you can do on your own, um, or with friends or family. It's fun. So your book is organized, um, in, I, I don't know if this is on, I, I assume it probably is in 12 chapters. And I wonder if it goes with the months of the year, like we're talking about chapter 12, which is resting and being present, which I assume relates to December. Am yeah. I, is it, well, I assume it's on purpose to go well, with the year. It is rather loosely set up that way. Um, so, you know, that is true. Like you could take my book, which I think is kind of designed to be a book you can dip in and out of, Here's not that. necessarily, <laughs> thank you, have to read cover to cover. Um, and by the way, my I do want to just showcase my book has lots of pictures in it too. So yeah, you know, it's really fun. Yeah. That, and I do think when you're working with goddesses or archetypes in general, being able to see them and, you know, just kind of get a picture in your mind's eye and hold that image is, is really helpful. Again, we're now we're in our right brain, not just always reading and thinking and analyzing and, and that kind of thing. So, but yes, so January or the first chapter of my book is called New Year, New Beginnings. So that's a great chapter to do in January. And then it's followed by dreaming and planning, which could be a good follow-up and then creativity and play. The next chapter is on depression and grief. And I do cover some of the emotions uh, chapter by chapter. So again, that doesn't necessarily have to coincide with a particular month. I see. But, so it's loosely based on. Yeah. Loosely so a, do that. So it makes sense that chapter 12, though, is yeah. December and that's resting and being present, which is everything that we're talking about. And right. then January does make sense. New beginnings. So let's talk a little bit about January. Um, so January, I know, comes from the Greek god or goddess Janus or Jana. Um, mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about new beginnings and why this particular god or goddess that is the root of that particular word, why it matters. Cause I think, I think that's something really powerful. Cause isn't it like the two-faced God looking forward and looking yeah. back and here she is. So uh, this is a little fun thing I made for my vision board workshop. Um, just to have Jana with us watching over us. So, you know, she has one face looking back at the past or the year behind us and and you know when we get to the threshold of new year the new year's eve new year's day you know we're we are is that liminal space um we are thinking about what we just did right what was two, 2023 all about and it's good to to do that kind of sort of inventory what did i accomplish you know what were my challenges what do I want to let go of? You know, that's important. And then of course, looking forward as Jana does. Um, and by the way, Jana um, comes from the word, or January comes from the word Janua, which means threshold or doorway or gateway. So, you know, January is the gateway into the new year. So, you know, then we look forward and that's where the vision board comes in, which is a great creative tool for us to start to imagine, well, what do I want to create in this new year? You know, what do I want to manifest? And so we're still in the dreaming and imagining stage and we're choosing images and we're choosing words and maybe little phrases and things that really speak to this is who I am. And I, and I always encourage everyone to choose a word of the year 
and put that on your vision board. And that is kind of like your guiding word for the year. And I have a whole list of them in my book. Um, but you know, you could come up with, you may know offhand, like uh, this, my year, my word this year was balance um, to create uh, more balance. And it was kind of a crazy year because I felt like the first half of my year was really, uh, there was a lot of activity. And then the second half of the year, I was um, slowing down and, you know, resting and being present more. Whereas ideally I would try to do that on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. But sometimes, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, so, um, yeah. You think so it sounds like visioning kind of comes out of like the inventory. It's like, all right, let me look at 2023, what worked, what didn't so that I can set a better intention for 2024. Like you have to look backwards and say, uh, you have to be able to have some sort of like that data point to say, all right, gosh, 2023 was like crazy busy. It was like a lot of turmoil, you know? So then 2024, my intention is like peace or, um, you know, something along those lines. So it's like using that background to look at it. There is some practical stuff I would probably tell people like, you know, when you look at 2023, you know, what worked, what didn't look at it in a lot of different areas and, you know, look at your life, look at your business, look at your results. Um, But it's really important, I believe, and you could tell me, you know, I would assume as a psychotherapist, it's like not to look at it with a judgmental lens, but an informational lens, you know, maybe you did some marketing stuff and it just didn't work. You know, it's like, so that might be something you could let go of. It's fine. But, you know, but if you took, put like, don't put any judgment on that 2023 inventory. Absolutely. Yes. We want to stay out of judgment in general, if we can. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of aligned with the critic, right? The judge. Because it's almost like, oh my God, I didn't get enough consistency. It's like, you know, beat yourself on, you know, head and beat your back. It's like, it's not going to help. It's like, yeah, well, I didn't get consistency. So maybe my intention for 2024 is consistency, you know, more stability. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like the idea, like the word of the year, people use this all the time. Um, let's just like, just quickly unpack the difference between a, a new year's resolution, a new year's goal and a new year's intention that relates to that word. What's the difference and why is it better just to have a new year intention versus a new year resolution or even new year's goals? Well, I, I'm, or do you mean by intention, like a word of the year? Is that what you mean when you say? Yeah, like setting an intention for the year versus like a resolution. Like people seem yeah. to like, yeah. I'm going to lose 10 pounds and, yeah. you know, or a goal, yeah. like, or a resolution, you know, a goal might be as like, I'm going to run a marathon, but intention might be as like, I'm going to be healthy. You yeah. know, what, what's the difference energetically between those three? And, and why, why would, why would you recommend to do more of the setting your intention for the year versus a resolution or a goal. You know, everyone knows resolutions tend to <laughs> fall short, um, you know, best of intentions. But uh, I think that if a, a word, a sort of guiding word, and and I, I even recommend like more like a feeling word, you know, um, can, can be helpful. Um, you know, it could be... Um, fearlessness or fearless this year or um it could be love it could be joy it could be calm you know something that we want to carry with us through the year um and kind of remind ourselves occasionally like i i would even say you know get a little um necklace made with the word or wear a bracelet put it on your vision board and leave your vision board out where you can see it by your desk or something where you can kind of check in and go oh yeah yeah thank you for reminding me um not to mention all the other you know images and words and things that are on your vision board which you know kind of nudges you a little bit like remember this is what you wanted and you want to carry this this year um so i mean there's no right or wrong and certainly you know the the word that i think everyone just kind of intuitively is able to come up with you know, this is what I need this year. Like you said, because maybe last year was this and I don't want that anymore, but maybe you did have a good year and maybe, you know, you want to take something that worked and felt like a success and carry that forward. 
into the next year um, with a different kind of, you know, feeling to it. I know my word for the year. What is it? Play. Oh, great. Yeah, that's a good one. That'll be a fun one to live up to. I want to do play workshops like you're talking about. Yeah. Play you know, shop. because play shops, <laughs> like, yeah, work not, out of it. <laughs> yeah, I want to do play shops. Um, I, I think that there's something about that energetically that feels different. Like I can, I could start visualizing the things that I would want to do. It's like, all right, like, let's make this kind of thing fun and engaging and all of that kind of stuff rather than, oh God, I got all, I got all stuff. Like this is when, when you talk about it and I read about it in your new year book, your, the chapter on it, it's different where it's like, oh, I got to get all these things accomplished. Like to me, resolutions are the things like, oh, this is how I'm going to shame myself to not do the things that I have judged myself from 2023 to me a goal feels like oh my god here's all the stuff i need to accomplish you know but then an intention word you know intention and when and picking that word to describe it it feels like it's more of a heart-centered aspiration for it's like this is what i want to manifest in my life this is what i want to attract in my life and i'm not trying to sound like all woo like oh okay you know you have to all of a sudden you know betsy's lost her left brain and she's just going to be all like you know not do anything i think it's different it's like you have to do stuff in order to to bring these things to life but it's like it's more heart aligned and it doesn't feel like quite as oh god i gotta get this done you know like absolutely Yeah, it's more feel into it. You know, what feels like this is what I want to carry with me this year. Carry it. So um, is there any tips that you would share about either the new year, new beginnings or the planning, the dreaming and the planning that listeners could walk away with around? Okay, so we've connected with our heart. We connected with our total self. We've rested. We've been present. Now we're in the, you know, we've drawn our vision boards. We've done our dreaming. We know what we want. Now, can you talk about like the Athena, um, the Athena energy around the strategy and the planning? Yes, that's a good way to to put it because you've been in the cave. Bear woman is, bear goddess is kind of the dreamer in the hibernating mode gestation and then you're ready to give birth and so athena is a good goddess of um, strategy and planning and wisdom and all that good stuff she brings her sword and cuts through all the crap and just starts to get things done so it is the next step when we're ready to leave the cave you know and we're stepping out and it's into the light um the bears giving birth to the cubs you know it's kind of like okay now we got to go find our way in the world we got to forage for food all that good stuff so you know what does that look like um that strategizing that planning and that's you know that's what you're good at and helping people do is really um sit down and now you know you've been dreaming all this stuff and that's important right this this is sort of the feminine yin energy of dreaming and there's inspiration and there's all these ideas bubbling and now i've got to put it into form i've got to manifest it that's the masculine active um yang energy that we're going to now call forth and um you know so it could be i don't know all the tools that you might use but you know um actually making a game plan, you know, mapping out a strategy, um, you know, getting together with people and brainstorming. Um, what are, what are your tools? You know, you're, that's what you're good at. That's, that's what you offer people is that, you know, come to you, Athena. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That means a lot that you said that, like, she's my screensaver. Like I see myself in the role of Athena because she's like the original mentor Yes. And like, that's the energy. And what I love about Athena though, is she's got like her sword and she's got her owl and, mm-hmm. you know, she's got all of that, but she wears a pretty outfit, you know, and she still looks pretty yeah. and she's like still creative. Um, what I would, yeah. Like what I would suggest is like, what I like what you have is like connecting and trusting your heart and working through that part, you know, and then once yeah. you have it, now we have to, you know, do smart strategies. We have to find the words to express what's in your heart. We have to you know, work on your brand. We need to create your online platform. And, you know, now it's time to get out, to get out there and start bringing this thing into life. Yes. But it comes from that grounded place where you're clear and you're confident. Right. And that's what I think I love about what you're talking about is 
you know, connect with self, connect what you are authentically created here to do. You know, why are you here and what's your supposed to, what's your path for this particular lifetime in this particular iteration, you know, spend some time connecting there, look backwards, look forward, set your intentions. And then it starts, then you could do the planning, but you could do it from more of a grounded place. Absolutely. That's, you got it. And here's bear woman. So you've been in the cave, you're ready to come out. And then here's Athena. She's got her sword and her owl, and she's coming out into the light. So, you know, and that's another thing you might in want to do. In a cute dress. In yes. a cute dress. It, it she's not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and the okay. interest, so I was just going to say, she, she has both masculine and feminine kind of that energy, that right brain, left brain, because she started out being associated with weaving and again weaving these ideas and things and then she became the more like this warrior who you know goes out and gets things done so she she's a good combination of of those two energies so um your book is awesome where can people find it um it's available on amazon and um goddesses of self-care and you can also check my website stephanieandersonlad.com and um I have a PDF available if you just wanted to to do that. Um, I will say the Kindle version that's available on Amazon doesn't have all of the uh, illustrations. So, you, you know, it's better to get the book um, that you can put in your hands, I think. Um, but the PDF version that I saw on my website does have all the all the images. So well, plus people- all the journaling prompts you prompts you can you know, it's a, it's a nice size. It's not like a little book. It's more like a workbook. So you could actually interact with it. So that I think is um, even more beneficial. Yeah. that so, was the idea. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, that was the idea is that you could, you know, use it as a, as a manual, as a workbook. So it's stephanieandersonlad.com. Yes. The full name Anderson with an O lad with two D's.com. Yeah. Yeah, no, no hyphens or dots or anything, just all one word. <laughs> Perfect. So we've talked a lot about, um, you know, what it, we talked a lot about archetypes, what it means to um, really connect in and enjoy the holiday seasons, but use it in a productive way, get grounded to self, and then to move forward into the new year, you know, with greater intention and greater groundedness. Um, is there anything else that you would want to share about all of these topics or any other topic? And I'm just not asking you the right question. Oh, um, you know, I think we've covered so much. I mean, maybe one other thought would be journaling, how important that can be during this time. And, you know, often, again, a way for us to connect with ourselves and our feelings in particular. We are a very, um, again, sort of logic, we, we value the thinking process more than we value the feeling process and in our society and culture, I believe, and certainly in the business world, you know, so this time really could afford us a a time and space to, to sort of check in, like, what am I feeling, you know? And if I'm feeling frustrated and angry, well, let's get to it. What is it? What am I angry about? What, what did, what's not working? You know, what do I need to let out? Um, I have a whole chapter on hurt and anger. So, you know, those kinds very of effective things. too. Great tips. <laughs> Great. Thank you. You know, <clears throat> and, and I just think that's so important journaling. Um, and I like to do art journaling. So, you know, you can kind of play with, again, images, color, it doesn't have to be words, it doesn't have to be everyday dear diary, you know, obligatory writing. It's, it's more just saying, you know, I need to check in with myself. I need to have a dialogue with myself. I need to listen to what is going on, what I am, I am needing. And so I think journaling is, is also a really great self-care practice. I love journaling. It's one of those first things that I recommend to my clients when we start working together on their brand building yeah. is to start journaling for a couple of reasons is like just the artist way process of like getting into those three three pages, write about anything. And people ask me all the time, like, well, how do I create so much content? And it's like, well, because I've been journaling since I was 20 years old. And because I journal, I, I don't, I know how to write without the editor. Yeah. You know, I know how to get my words out. Like, so I kind of trip that part out. So I think that there's something about 
all these techniques, like for my left brain listeners who are like, oh, this is like, you know, I'm I'm a logical person. I don't like have time for this feeling stuff. It's like, these are, these are great tools, like the doing the art collaging or doing the journaling. It's the yeah. hack out of that analysis paralysis. Yeah. You know, it's the hack out of your perfection paralysis. It's going to help you not because what happens is like with my clients, with their writing is or like, or even their visioning is like, I have an idea in my head. And then there's between this and then actually typing it or trying to manifest it, it goes through all these crazy editors where it's like, no, 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 no. And then whatever gets on paper is like, that's not it. It's like, you want to hack yourself out of it. And all these tips that you're talking about is going to hack yourself out of, out of that place where you're going to talk yourself out of what you really want. Absolutely. So, you know, just kind of doing a brain dump. That's what that, those morning pages helps you do, you know, to just really get the gunk out so that you, you know, can kind of clear out and be ready for the day. And Yeah. That's well. a good point too. Like to, it helps you work through your emotions, connect in wherever you're at, meet yourself wherever you're at. Yeah, I absolutely. think it's a great thing. Yeah. This, I talked to you forever. This conversation has been extremely helpful. Um, for those who are listening, I would definitely say, uh, check out this book. Um, even if you're a dude and you feel like this does not relate to you, try it out or at least just use it as a springboard because there's a lot of great stuff in here. Highly recommend it. Um, definitely take advantage of 2023 planning, you know, like the review, take time of your 2023 Christmas time to do all the things that Stephanie mentioned about really just being present and use the time for creativity, envisioning, imagining and I'm so excited for what you're going to create in 2024 as an action item. What I would love from all of you who are listening, um, email me at Betsy at BetsyJordan.com um, and share. And Jordan is with a Y, not an A. And I would love to hear your word for the year, what you're imagining, what you're dreaming up. And if I'm the person to help you bring it to life, awesome. And otherwise, I'm just really excited for what you're going to create. And thank you for listening on this very insightful, insightful time with Stephanie Anderson Ladd. And um, until next time, until next year, thanks for listening. Thank you, Betsy. Happy thank holidays. You. Happy <laughs> holidays.